you have your work with you this morning, we're going to be in Matthew 6, if you want to go ahead and head that way. And, um, so excited this morning to be here with you guys and to, to look at this passage. Um, man, I've been thinking about it all week, um, thinking about some of the truths in this thing. But I just want to say, yesterday I walked into this place, I walked into this building, nobody was here, um, it was just kind of me, and uh, and looked at this cross. Um, it's just a symbol, actually, the cross isn't even there, so it's awesome. Um, and a thought, um, and the best is ahead of us, right? I know for some of you guys, you've maybe given up on that, and you thought, man, the best is behind me because I'm trapped in whatever, or I'm dealing with whatever, and I can't seem to get out. But I just want to remind you, the cross is the greatest proof in history that even in our darkest, most hopeless moments, the best days are still ahead of us. Amen. The cross was the darkest day on the planet, um, it was the day that the Son of God actually laid down His life for you and me. The, the deity that God in the flesh stopped breathing. That is a big deal. The guy that breathed out the stars uh, lost his breath. That's a dark day. And everybody looking at that thought, man, this is tragic. All the disciples looking at that thought, man, this is hopeless. All the, all the people that had walked with Jesus looked at that and they thought, it's over. It was dark and it was hopeless. But I just want to remind you, Three days later, God proved to us that even in those moments when all hope seems lost and the day seems dark, that man, that just a few days from now, that the best days are coming. Amen. I don't know what you're dealing with or struggling with or going through right now, and I don't want to make a lot of that because some of those things are big things, but I just want to remind you, the worst thing possibly that could happen to us on this planet, if you know Jesus, is you could shut your eyes and your breath could leave and you would stand with him for eternity. The best days are ahead. Amen. Some of you guys are like, I don't want to wait to get to heaven. Well, that's great. I don't believe you're going to have to. But I just want to let you know, even if you feel that hopeless, like, man, it's almost over. There are better days coming for us, and the cross is proof of that. I just feel like I need to say that this morning. Um, this morning, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6 again. It's amazing. I'm preaching the same thing I preached last week. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> maybe. Um, I'm so excited about this series. Uh, we don't usually do a lot of practical, like, this is how you do Jesus stuff series. But um, God just kind of dropped this one in on me. And, and, I, and I hope that um, by the grace of God this morning, we'll just kind of um, sit in it for a moment. This series is called This I Pray. And I know you hear that and you're like, okay, we're going to talk about prayer. That's great. I've been praying for 25 years and I know how to do that. So I'm just going to coast through this one. Um, but I just kind of... Through the grace of God, I hope that you'll hold on for just a second uh, and stay with me for just a moment. What I'm talking about this morning is not how we put words together in a certain order to get a certain response from God. I think that's what we think of when we think about prayer. Maybe, maybe we're really good at that. Maybe we're really good at saying, Our Father, blah, 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 please do this, uh, thanks, amen. And maybe, probably a lot of times, because God is good and God is full of grace, He does those things. But I just want to say that man, prayer is about way more than asking God for things. This whole thing, I just want to let you know if you're not in on the boat with me yet, this whole thing, this whole being saved thing, this whole Christian thing, this whole following Jesus thing is not about the process. It's not about um, saying these things and getting this response. It's about a relationship with God, and prayer is no different than that. 
prayer is about communicating. It's our, it's our telephone, as it, as it would be, uh, to talk to our Father. And we're going to talk about that again this morning in Matthew 6. Last week we started off in Matthew 6, and if you weren't here, I'll just kind of catch you up. Matthew 6 is part of um, this thing called the Sermon on the Mount, which is the longest set of uninterrupted teachings of Jesus. It ranges from Matthew 5 to like Matthew 7, the end of that. And it starts off with the Beatitudes, which is the blessed are the whoever's, because this will happen, right? They will inherit the something. And then it goes through after that, and it just talks about for a while how to follow God, how, how following God should look. And in chapter 6, we see Jesus pause for just a moment and talk about prayer. He talks about all kinds of things in this message, but, but one of the things he talks about at some length is prayer. Now, if you think about this, this is a very weird thing. These people that he was teaching were the Jewish people. These were the most religious people on the planet. These weren't like people that he just went out and found the street that didn't know anything about God. These were people that actually claimed to be and were the very people of God on the planet Earth. They had known God, um, Yahweh, Jesus' father. <laughs> they had known God for, uh, for, for hundreds of years. They followed God for hundreds of years. They had mastered the religion thing. They were probably a bunch of people like probably a lot of us who were religious, who had grown up in the system, who had grown up in church, and we knew kind of how to dress in church. It's not really a thing here, but it was probably for most of us. They know how to talk in church and how to act in church. They knew what prayer looked like. They probably knew way more scripture than anything we ever thought about knowing or memorizing. And they knew all the songs. They were part of the church culture. They had grown up in the thing, and yet Jesus walks up to these people and he starts teaching them. One of the things he teaches on is how to pray. That's weird to me because if anybody on the planet knew how to pray, it was these people. They knew how to string words together to ask God for a desired result, but Jesus still here takes the time to teach them how to pray. And I just want to say, if, if you're here this morning and you're like, I already know how to pray, that's great, Brad, thanks. Um, you're not as religious as these guys, and if they needed to know it, maybe we need to know it. Maybe God has something for us in this this morning. So this morning in Matthew 6, um, we're going to look at this model prayer. Now, if you were here last week, maybe that sounds weird to you, because what we talked about last week is prayer. There's no such thing as a good prayer. And it's true. There, there's no standard we see in the Bible that's like, if you don't say these words and do these things and follow this formula and go to this thing, that God won't hear your prayer. There's nowhere it says that. See, the truth is, God is good, and God is gracious, and, and even when we get it about the words and stringing them along to get a desired result, God does come through and He does answer all, all the time. But man, there's so much more to it than that. So last week we saw that prayer uh, isn't something to be performed. It's not something that, that we want people to judge us on. It's not something that when you're sitting around the dinner table, you're like, man, i got to do a good prayer because everybody needs to hear the good prayer. Or in church, we stand up and we're like, oh, i got to do the good prayer because everybody has to hear the good prayer. And it's not about a good prayer or a bad prayer. It's about a heart prayer. It's about expressing what's in here to him up there. And last week, we even saw that it's not about the words and the formula. Yet here we see in the model prayer, Jesus does give us a formula. It's so weird to think that. I'll be honest, he does it because some of you guys left last week and you're like, well, that's great, Brad, but I still feel like a horrible prayer, didn't you? You're looking at me because you did. Um, I want the process, right? 
I want to know how how do I pray? Because the reality of it is, if I took a poll this morning and I said, how many of you guys feel like every time you pray, you get that prayer from here to heaven? Probably no one in the room would raise your hand. You ever prayed a prayer and you just feel like when you pray that prayer, it just kind of it's in your head and it doesn't go anywhere? I have. Most of those prayers are prayers like this. Um, Lord, bless this food to our bodies and be with those who have to do without. Amen. Right? It's that thing we do before we eat. Or, God, I'm about to go to sleep. If you could wake me up in the morning, that would be great. Amen. It's that thing we do before we go to sleep. And when we go through the ritual, but, but in us, don't you just feel like sometimes you say these things and they don't go anywhere? To the reality of it is, we all do. But Jesus never prayed a prayer like that. Every time Jesus prayed, it got through. I just want you to know that. Jesus had like a couple loaves of bread and a couple of fish, and he prayed, and then there was baskets full of bread and fish, just out of the same loaves. That got through. It seems like a dumb prayer. It seems like maybe a selfish prayer for some of you guys. God, I need food, but he provided it. Every prayer Jesus ever prayed made it off the planet Earth and into heaven. And if there's somebody on the planet that's going to teach us how to pray, he's probably the guy. So Jesus sets out this model prayer. And in Luke, we see that the disciples ask Jesus. There's a conversation that takes place. And they say, how do, how, how do you pray? How, how should we pray? And this is the response that Jesus gives. He says, therefore, in verse 9, that means if you weren't here last week, you've got to go back and do some homework in 5 through 8, because therefore means because of this, because of what Jesus just said. He says, therefore, you should pray like this. I love that word like in there, because that word like in there means that when Jesus is instructing us to pray, what he's not doing in this set of words here is telling us when we pray to pray this. I think for so many of us, we've, and I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing, but we've got in this routine where we say this prayer sometimes. You've heard people do that, like recite the Lord's Prayer, like we're hanging on the wall, maybe we all get together and that's what we all say together. Sometimes I've heard people do that. I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. I just don't think that's what Jesus meant here at all. This is not the only prayer on the planet that's going to make it off off this rock and into heaven. I just want you to know that. Jesus is giving us here a structure or a framework or, or, or some kind of thing that those of you who last week left and thought, no, I still need to know some process, Brad. I, I know that there's no good prayer, but I still want to pray a good prayer. Jesus has given us grace here this morning, and he's given us a framework that we can place our prayer down inside of. So all these things are not words to be repeated, but, but, but things, categories that we can pray in. And he says, therefore, when you pray, you should pray like this. And Jesus starts out and he says, Our Father in heaven. Yeah, I'm going to stop there. Sorry. I didn't get he says, Our Father in heaven. I love that because what Jesus says here is not my Father in heaven. But Jesus says, Our Father in heaven. These people who, some of them know Jesus, some of them don't know Jesus. The disciples are there, but there's a field full of other people there. And Jesus says to these people, when you pray, you can pray like this, Our Father. And in this moment, Jesus gives us permission to call God our Father. See, if I was Jesus, I'd be a little selfish with that. I'd be like, man, I'm the one who breathed out the stars. I'm the one who left heaven. I'm the perfect one. I'm the holy one. I come down to this place, and you guys are sinners and dust. And I'm going to call him Dad, and you can call him God. That's how that's going to work for me. But in this moment, Jesus invites us into something greater and deeper with God, and that is that, that he says we can pray like we are his. 
We can pray like He is our Father. When we direct our prayer to heaven, we need to remember that we're not praying to some distant God who doesn't care anything about us or some deity that's way off somewhere and every once in a while kind of glances in our direction, but we're praying to our Father. And not just some earthly Father, but, but our Father who's in heaven. I know some of you guys, maybe you have a, a flawed view or a skewed view of what a Father is. Maybe some of you guys didn't have the best father relationship in the world, and when you hear God is your father, it just doesn't click for you. I actually think that's one thing the devil does on purpose to mess with us, is break up those family units so that we, we can't understand all the character of God because we haven't had that. Some of you guys had horrible fathers, and some of you guys had great fathers, and some of you guys had somewhere in between, but I just want to say this morning, that God is not held to the standard of your earthly father. If you had a horrible father, it doesn't mean that God will be a horrible father to you. And if you had the best father in the world, I just want to say that there is a better father, and that's God. Jesus is saying here, when we pray, we're not praying to some distant deity, but we're praying to a God who loves us like we are his own. We're praying to a, a Father who cares for us and sees us and notices us and turns his attention towards us. We're praying to a Dad who is proud of us and is rooting for us and is wanting the best for us. That, that's, that's our Father in heaven. And when we pray, we can have that confidence that we're not asking for something he's not willing to give because any good thing God will give to his children. God wants to answer. You guys are not clicking on this, right? God loves you like He loves Jesus. It's not a distance. Jesus in this moment says, Our Father. And what He's saying is, man, when you pray, I just want you to know you're praying to a good dad. He loves you just like He loves me. He's not being selfish with His love. We're not some kid he brought in off the street. We're not some second-class citizen in heaven. We are sons and daughters of God. And when he hears from us, man, he wants to hear from us, that he loves us like he loves Jesus, and by the way, will answer us like he answered Jesus. Some of you guys are like, I don't believe that. I prayed all kinds of things, and God's not answered it. Well, maybe you're praying bad things for you. God's a good dad. What we talked about last week, if you're kids, if you have kids and they come to you and they're like, hey, Dad, I want to go play in the middle of the interstate. If you're a good parent, you say no, right? There are some things that some of us pray for, and what that equates to spiritually is playing in the interstate. I want this job. Well, that job will pull you away from God. I want this promotion. Well, that promotion is going to pull you away from God. I want this relationship. Well, that relationship is going to pull you away from God. And God's responsibility as a good parent that loves you and cares for you is to say no. Knows, Garth Brooks song, knows sometimes are the best prayers, right? Sometimes I think God friends, you know, thank you, thank you. I'm sorry. But Jesus says here that, man, when we start our prayers, we can have this confidence that we're praying to a God who loves us and who delights in us and who wants to answer us and who wants the best for us. He says he can start off, our Father in heaven. But he goes on, he says, your name be honored as holy. Second thing, we pray, we need to remember that we're speaking to a holy God. Yes, he's our father, but he's a holy father. Holy is a word that means set apart. Holy in context of you means set apart for God. That you are set apart from the world. You're separate from the world. You belong to God and the world belongs to whatever the world belongs to. But in the context of God, holy means a completely separate thing. 
See, the truth is, no item, no object, no person can be holy on their own. That's completely given to us by God. But in the, in the context of God, holy is a completely different word. It means that God is set apart, that God is separated, not for God, but He is separate. He's so far different. It's a word that means transcendence. It's a word that means above. Basically, it's saying God is in a class or a category of His own, that God is so different from us that we can't even really comprehend it. See, the truth is, you've never seen anything that's holy. You might have seen something that's really great, but you've never seen anything that's holy. You've never seen anything that's completely set apart. You, you can't observe it in nature. You can't observe it in the universe because there is one being, one entity that's set apart, and that's God. That's why the angels sit around all day long and they sing, holy, holy, holy. That's why the song in Revelation is holy, holy, holy. What they're saying in that song is, man, God is bigger, bigger, bigger. God is greater, greater, greater. God is above, above, above. He's more powerful than anything you can imagine. See, everything that God did is, is holy. His love is holy. God's love is a completely different class of love than anything you've ever experienced. God's power is a completely different class of power than anything you've ever experienced. His strength is a completely different class of strength than anything you've ever experienced. God is holy in everything that he is. God, the entity, is holy, but all of his attributes, all of his personality, all of his characteristics are also holy. They're above and beyond anything you've ever experienced. So you may think this morning, you know everything there is to know about God, and the angels would sing to you. Nope, look up, up, up. Because there's more, more, more. He's greater, greater, greater. He's stronger, stronger, stronger. It doesn't matter what you've experienced about God. You could be like a spiritual juggernaut. I, I know everything there is about God. And, and then the angel would say back to you, actually, you're false. I've been flying around for thousands and thousands of years, and I still don't know everything. So my song is, holy, 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 there's more. See, why this is important to us in prayers, because what you need to know when you pray to God is he has the ability to answer. When you ask a friend for something, they're limited by their ability to come through on that thing. When you ask a parent for something, they're limited by their ability to come through on that thing. Even when you ask something of yourself, you're limited by your ability to come through on that thing, but God has no limits. The power of God is limitless. The strength of God is limitless. The love of God is limitless. And that's why Jesus says when you pray, God, you've got to know these things. God's your Father, and He loves you, and He wants what's best for you. And oh, by the way, He has the ability to accomplish that thing. See why that's important this morning is some of you guys maybe feel trapped in holes you're never going to get out of. And I just want you to know that God's arms extend there. And His strength is enough to pull you out. Your brother, your sister, your mother, your father, your friends, or whoever, they may not be able to pull you out, but God's strength is above them. And Jesus says when you pray, you've got to remember. When you pray, you got to remember, you're talking to somebody who can and will answer. See, I think we lost that in the church. You know why? Because we pray small things. We put, pray small things to a very big God. God, wake me up in the morning. That's small potatoes to God. God, provide food for me. That's small potatoes to God. God is a limitless Father. And we pray little bitty things. In, in Ephesians, do you know that it says that our God is able to accomplish above and beyond anything we could ever think or imagine that's in the Bible. It's in Ephesians. You look it up like, I think it's in chapter 4 maybe. You Google it if it's not. That's true for us still. God's not old. God's not dead. God's not worn out. God's not tired. He is holy. And what he's saying here, to, Jesus is saying here to the disciples is very big. Set your sights on something amazing and huge and then pray toward it because God is able. 
This is something else we can pray, something else we should pray, is that to God, your kingdom come. Now, this is a prayer I doubt many of us pray, right? Unless we read it at the last little bit of Revelation, come quickly, amen. This is not something we sit around praying for all the time, is it? God, I just wish you just get it all today. I just wish your kingdom would come today. I just wish that you'd split time open and everything would wind down and like jobs would be done and, and families would be done and work would be done and we could just go be in heaven with you. That's not something probably a lot of us pray for. But here in this moment, God instructs us, Jesus instructs us to pray for that. He says, pray that God's kingdom come. Pray that heaven comes down on earth. And yes, physically, that's what he's talking about. What he's also talking about here is that God's kingdom come, not the end of time wrapping down, but in you, you're praying, God, let your kingdom come here. God, let your kingdom come today. God, let your kingdom come in me. See, this is something that missed it on the prayer thing, right? Because maybe some of us start out with Father God. Maybe that's what we start out with. Maybe that's your key words. And maybe even you're like, you're great and you're awesome and you're powerful. I've heard people pray like that. But then we jump immediately to, and if you could do this and 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 this, that'd be great. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm going to eat some lunch now. But in the prayer of Jesus, what he says to the disciples is that we should pray, God, let your kingdom come. Let heaven physically descend onto the planet. Let time itself wrap up and everything be done because, man, that's greater. But second, if it doesn't come physically today, let it come in me. Let heaven come in me. Let your kingdom come in me. The Bible calls us ambassadors. But we're ambassadors for Christ. What an ambassador is, an ambassador is somebody who lives in a foreign country, but in that country makes the wishes and the will of their home country known to whoever's around. Right? You go, you set up a little embassy somewhere, you got a little house, a little home base, and what you do is, is on behalf of whoever your ruler is, you speak to the people around you about their wishes. This is, this is the same thing. It says that we should pray that. God, make me more like you. God, make me an ambassador. God, make me somebody who, who is the representation of heaven on this planet. God, I'm not waiting for heaven to come someday off in the future. I want to be heaven right here. I want to be heaven at work. I want people to love to be around me because I'm something different. I'm something better. I'm something above. God, make me more like you. What he's saying here is before we ever pray God will do our will, we pray that we will do his. I'm going to say that again because I don't think we've got that. Before we ever pray God will do our will, we pray that He, we will do this. What I want to say to you is, man, whatever you're living in right now, whatever we're living in right now, whatever Monday through Saturday looks like right now, and God's saying here that we have access to heaven in the moment. I don't have to wait till I get there to experience heaven. I can be heaven today for me and others. That's why it says, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father, God, you love me, and you have the power to do things, so why don't you start changing me before you do anything else? He says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, we know in heaven that God's will is done perfectly, right? The angels don't just run around and rebel and do whatever they feel like they got kicked out. Um, all the ones that are left, they do what God says. There's not this attitude of, well, I feel like it, or if I get to it, or maybe someday. But it's like, oh, jump, okay, how high? How high would you like that? I have wings, I can go really high. What do you want me to do? 
in heaven, man, it, it is fulfilled. What God says, it is done. And what he says here is that we should pray, God, let your will be done. This is not let Nick do your will, this is let me do it. Don't project this. Let your will be done in me just like it is in heaven. See, the truth is, most of us do. We know what God wants us to do. We're like, maybe later, or I'm not comfortable with that, or I don't know about that, or maybe not, or whatever. And, and, and there's a reason we have to pray these things. This is not a natural thing that we just wake up one day after we got off the altar and we're like, I'll just do whatever you want to do. But it is something we can pray about. And what that means today is, man, we can follow God. Some of you guys give up on that. I can't do that. I can't. Can't be that close to God. I can't. I'm a mess. I'm a sinner. I'm a whatever. I can't. I can't get there. I can't do that. And what He's saying to us today is, you can't do the power of God. He's the Father who loves you and wants the best for you. He's holding you. He has the power to accomplish anything in you that you would ever think or imagine, and above and beyond that. And yet, you can pray that you can follow God. That He will come to you. Then in eleven, this is the part we like. This is the part we pray the most. He says, give us today our daily bread. You can't ask for stuff. Amen? Don't worry about your thing. You can't ask for stuff. That's great. I'm going to get an amen out of this before I go on. You can't ask for stuff. You can. God, I need a parking spot today. You throw that way. I know people that have. You know what? They park close. <laughs> You can. God, I'm really hungry today and I don't have any money. Watch somebody walk up to you and give you some money. You can't ask for that. You can. God, I don't know if I'm going to be able to pay the lot bill. You watch somebody come through or the bills disappears or whatever. You watch somebody do that. You can't ask for that. And God does answer. We forgot that. That's why I pray things like, God, wake me up in the morning because most of us are going to do that. You can't ask God for stuff. But Jesus even says it. Give us today our daily bread. But what he says is you can ask him for stuff today. You can ask him for stuff right now. See, the truth is God is the God of today. When he provided for 40 years for the children of Israel in the wilderness, you know how much manna he gave them? Enough for that day. They woke up every single morning and there was enough food all over the ground for that day. And then they woke up the next morning and there was enough food for that day. And they woke up the next morning. There was enough food for that day. The only day he provided enough food for two days was on the right before the Sabbath day, so that day they wouldn't have to break the law. There'd be enough food for two days. See, the truth is, God is the God of today, and today he will give you what you need. Now, some of you guys are like, that's great, but I need something way off in the future. I need this car to come through, or I need this house to come through, or I need this whatever to come through. And God's looking at you and saying, well, why don't we worry about today? You're like, I don't like that. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I just want you to know, man, when we pray, if we ask God for something today, God will come through. God's not, we give God a lot of room sometimes, right? God, I want to see this person come to know Jesus. And we're like, sometime before they die, any in the next 80 years, you get that. Anytime between now and, and then, that'd be great. And what if we were like, I don't want to see him come to know you today, and then we put some feet behind that and some action behind that. Yeah. See, the truth is, some of you are like, I don't like this, and I'm like, man, this is the best grace ever in the world that God is the God of today. Because what it means is God answers prayers today. That when we pray, God isn't slow. He isn't going to lay back and see what goes on. He, he moves. 
and our necessities, our needs, what we have to have, God will provide. And Jesus says, don't be afraid to pray like that. God, I need a sandwich today. <laughs> God says, okay. Give me what I need for today. He goes on in 12, he says, and forgive us our debts. And we pray, we can pray for forgiveness. And I don't want to say it that way, because I'm already here, and I'm going to pray too. Man, the reality of it is so many of us have in our heads that repentance is a one-time thing, right? That one moment somewhere on the planet, what we do is we come down to a spot like this and we ask God to forgive us of our sins. And that, that is hard. We do ask God somewhere to forgive us of our sins, to save us, and, and God does that and puts that in action. And when He does that, He forgives us of our past, present, and future sins all in one moment. He washes those things away. But I just want to say to you that Jesus says in this prayer, when we pray, we pray for forgiveness. See, the truth of it is, you weren't made perfect at the moment you hit your knees on the altar somewhere. And God isn't confused about that. That's good, someone said again. You weren't made perfect on the moment you put your knees on the altar somewhere. And God's not confused about that. Some of us live like we're confused while we're still sinners and we said that prayer that time and we still mess up and we still do things we shouldn't do. We still we, we still deal with this thing called sin and we're like, oh, we better not let anybody know because God may find out. <laughs> You're a sinner. And God knows. Shock. <laughs> but here in this moment, Jesus says that we can pray for forgiveness and he's already told us that God answers. <coughs> See, repentance is a daily thing. Repentance is an exercise that should happen in the morning because you probably messed up while you were asleep somehow. You <laughs> and it's something that should happen sometime in the middle of the day. You know why? Because you already screwed up there. You might do it every five minutes or so. And then at the end of the day, we probably ought to do it again. See, repentance is a thing that should take place in our prayers. But what I love about that is if we ask God for it and Jesus says we can ask God for it, what it means is God will do it. Some of us beat ourselves up needlessly day after day. Man, I can't believe I do these things. I can't believe I say these things. I can't believe I live this way. I can't believe I, I can't believe I still struggle with this. And here's the newsflash. God already knows. And here's the other one. Jesus says, God will forgive you. What that means is some of you guys carry around guilt and you don't need to. Because God already said, ask for forgiveness and I'll do it. Some of you guys carry around shame every day and you like beat yourself up all day long. You're like, I'm so stupid, I'm so stupid. And Jesus said here, hey, why don't you just lay it down at the foot of the cross and then God will forgive you for it and then you don't have to carry it around anymore. And then you know what? When you mess up, pray again. And when you mess up, pray again. And when you mess up, pray again. Some of us treat it like God's only going to forgive us that one time, so we're going to ask and then we're just going to hide it forever and ever and ever. And the reality of it is, I'm a screw up and you're a screw up and God's not confused about it. And Jesus says here, we can pray and God will forgive. Jesus wouldn't tell you to pray about something God wasn't willing to do. And he says here, we can pray, God forgive us of our debts. Forgive us when we screw up. But I love it because it's loaded. Not only does he say, forgive us our debts, but he also says, as we also have, past tense, forgiven our debtors. 
Forgive us where we screw up, just like we already did forgive those who screwed up against us. This story's going to get personal. <laughs> See, it's implied here that we have already forgiven. For some of us, that is a struggle. It's hard to forgive. Some of you guys have been wronged in ways that if you told me, I would gas you. Some of you guys have had people in your life that have done things to you that are horrible, horrible, horrible things, and I get that. But Jesus, for some reason, attaches this idea that we would be forgivers. It's probably why we prayed earlier, God put in heaven Because although it's hard, and although forgiveness is a struggle for us, it's really the only thing that makes sense. The reason it's implied here is because it's the only thing that makes sense. See, the truth of it is, forgiven people are forgiven. When we realize what we have done to God, this is, this is just a cutout. But when they hung Jesus on the cross, that was for you. You did that to Jesus. Some Roman soldiers may have acted as players in the play on your behalf, but that was all you. Every single nail, that's not spread out equally divided among the planet. That was just you. Every single thorn, that was not spread out equally among the planet. That was you. Every single beating and mocking and every single time he got spit on and his beard hair got pulled out and every single moment he was hanging on that cross for hours and hours and hours in excruciating pain. That was because of your sin. And in the moment before Jesus died, he said, Father, forgive them because they have no idea what they're doing. He was breathing that over. Yeah, I get that Brad put three nails in me and a crown of thorns on my head, and I get that I can't even really breathe right now because I'm suffocating on my own blood, and I don't know how that works because I didn't know that anybody had this much blood. Because I shed it for a mile from the city to here. It's like a red river. And here at the foot of the cross, I have watered the ground. And even though that was all on Brad because that was his sin, I'm in his place. I'm on his cross. These are his nails. This is his crown. This is his beating. This is his mocking. This is his shame. This is his sin that I'm carrying. Even though that's all on him, I just want to breathe out one time before I go, Father in heaven, forgive him because you have the power to do it because he has no idea. You put your name in that. Jesus forgave you. And when you see that, when you see what you've done and what Jesus forgave, man, it really diminishes in some way what other people have done to us. See, forgiven people are forgiving people. And I want to ask this, what if God forgave you to the same degree that you forgive others? Would you trust in that?
yet Jesus ties these two statements together. Now, I didn't say at any point in time that Jesus does forgive you to the level you forgive others, because that's ridiculous. Jesus is holy in his forgiveness. But man, if Jesus thinks it's important that we forgive, then it shouldn't be. Even when it hurts. Because here's the reality. Forgiveness is more about us and less about them. You know who's not worried about what they did to you six years ago when you see you alive? Joe. It's destroying you they forgot about you. And when you forgive them, man, that light lifts up off of you. And Jesus says, you can pray about that. I'll even help you forgive others. I got all kinds of forgiveness. It goes on 13, it says, Do not bring us into temptation. We can actually pray that God doesn't bring us into temptation, that we wouldn't be tempted. The reason he says don't bring us into temptation, so don't bring us into sin, is because if you get to the step of sin, temptation, you're probably going to get to the step of sin. Not always. Temptation is not a sin, but man, it's the front door. God gives us a plan, actually, to, to not sin. Don't be around what makes you sin. Amen? It's pretty simple, actually. If point A causes you to get to point B, don't go to point A. He says that God can keep you away from it. He says, deliver us from the evil one. The evil one here being Satan, that God himself can actually even deliver us or free us from Satan himself. See, the reality of it is when Jesus died on the cross, he, he uh, took our sin and our shame and our guilt with him. He on the cross killed sin, shame, and guilt. When they put him in the ground, uh, he sent it into the depths of the earth. He come up out of that with the keys of death, hell, and the grave. That means in this situation, Jesus has all the power. Satan gets in our face and he's like, I got the power, I can make you, I can break you, I can do whatever, I can destroy you, I can and that's when you look back and you say, Actually, no, you can't. Because my father who has the power and who has destroyed you and has the keys to death and hell in the grave, who has died on the cross and rose from the grave, says you can't do anything to anybody, so you can take the high. Amen. It says here that we can pray that God will deliver us from the evil one from Satan himself. Then it says, For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. He closes out with a pretty amazing thing. He says, for it's your kingdom, you're in charge. And it's your power, you have all the strength. And the glory and the beauty forever. Nobody can take it away. Amen. I think it's amazing that Jesus ends this prayer with this. He kind of ends the prayer at the same place and starts the prayer, actually. He starts the prayer with our Father who loves us and who cares about us and who's rooting for us and who has good intentions for us and who wants the best for us and who hears us and who answers us and who has the power, by the way, who is holy, who has the power and the ability and the strength and the love and the desire on a different level, on a different scale. He starts there and he ends with, I just want to remember, I'm not giving it to you because it's already yours, but I need to remember it's your kingdom. 
You're in charge. You're a father, and you have the power, and it's your kingdom, you're in charge. And sure, power, you have all the strength, you have all the ability, it just kind of wraps back into that second word, doesn't it? The, the, the holiness. It just, you have the power, you have the ability, and the glory of the beauty. Forever. Amen. See, I think it's amazing that he wraps this prayer in these things. Because in the middle, we ask for things, right? We start out with, God, you love us, and you can accomplish it. And then we ask for things, and you end with, it's your kingdom, and you have the power, and you can do it. Well, why does he start out and end with, with, this, with this desire to tell ourselves and God who he is and what he can do? And the truth is, because, man, the prayers that get through the ceiling... Prayers of faith, right? God bless this food to our bodies. I don't even know what that means. Do you? I'm going to probably eat. It's right here. Probably going to not be as hungry when I get done, because that's how the body works. And then when I'm done, I'm going to get up. What did I ask God for? That wake me up in the morning for 99 to 100% of us in this place. That, that's going to happen. We pray that. What did, what did you ask God for that you're not naturally probably just going to accomplish? There's people all over the planet that aren't praying that they're waking up. See, the truth of it is, so little of the time we pray our hearts, and so much of the time we just pray routine. So little of the time that we pray about what I'm actually feeling. We try to hide our emotions from God like He doesn't already know. And when you're frustrated, you're like, I don't want to let God know that. When you're sad, I don't want to let God know that. Actually, it's only the point that gets us to the very breaking point that we actually get to a point where we're honest with God. And then maybe, just maybe, there's a prayer of faith that comes up out of it. When we get in our lowest moments, when we get in the bottom of the pit, and we're like, there's no way out. I've tried everything else and I'm so frustrated that I just can't hold on so I'm going to scream at you. That's the only times you really ever pray anything real and that's the only times really that we ever feel like we get anything anywhere, right? So Jesus wraps this little neat prayer up. A prayer that probably checks everything that maybe some of us pray every day. He wraps it up in, in not words but this idea, this, this kind of heart song that's like, God, you are good. And God, you do have the power. And God, you do have the ability. And God, you do love me. And God, you do answer. And God, you do hear me. And God, you do care. And you do see me. And you do want me. He wraps it in those things because the reality is, is we, God doesn't need to hear it. We need it. God knows He's holy. He's not confused. He's got angels that sit around and yell it all day long, and they will for eternity. He's not going to forget he's holy, and he certainly doesn't need you to tell him you need you to tell you. God knows he loves you. He died on the cross for you, shed his blood for you so that you could be with him. He doesn't need to know he loves you. He's not going to forget. They sing songs in heaven about the lamb who shed his blood. But you need to know. Because when you're praying, God, I don't know why everything is falling apart and I don't know what's going wrong with me right now, you need to know God loves you and God can't answer you and wants to answer you. 
When it feels like you're at the bottom of the pit, the bottom of the hole, and there's no way out, you need to know there's a holy God who's got holy arms with holy strength that can pull you up out of that hole. So Jesus says to us, when you pray, pray like this. It's not about the word. It's not about the formula. It's not about the thing. It's about seeing who God is and pray in your heart in that manner. See, the truth is, the, the prayers that get off the planet, the prayers that reach from here to heaven, are prayers that know and believe and trust and have faith that God is going to answer. You go out there the rest of your life and you pray, God blesses us through our bodies and you don't know what it means and you go through the ritual and you keep feeling like God doesn't even listen to you if you want. Or you pray things that only God can do. Only you hear me say that. You pray things that only God can do. And you trust in him. And you see what God's doing. Amen. God's inviting you in to access the power of God. Only you know that. God's inviting you in to access the love of God. Only you know that. Some of you guys are going to pray something and God's going to say no. In that moment, you remember, he's a father, he's a good father. He said, no, because you're about to kill yourself. Some of you guys, God's going to say, yes, you're going to have an amazing story. And if you want to pray prayers that get anywhere, if you want to pray prayers that you feel like you're speaking to God, and God's speaking right back in your soul, in your heart, in your head, have to believe. He loves me. And he gives me. And he wants me.